0: This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli.
1: Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. Today we're speaking with Matthew Lysing, reporter and book author. Matthew has been covering crypto since 2015. He wrote Out of the Ether, the definitive history of the Ethereum blockchain, and last year founded Decentral to highlight the stories of the people creating the new blockchain fueled internet and financial system. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: It's great to be here, Gabriella. Thank you for having me.
1: I feel like we're insanely lucky to have you here to dive into blockchain, Ethereum, NFTs, and what the heck is going on. Back in 2017, I interviewed several people about blockchain, specifically Ethereum blockchain, and how it might be used in music, entertainment, and banking. And at the time, four things struck me. And the first was idealism, sort of really rampant idealism. And the second was that Disintermediation of the potential applied to almost everything. The third was lack of regulation. And the fourth, thanks to that lack of regulation, was the potential for bad actors to really do bad things. So fast forward to today and things have evolved. But I still think a lot of people don't really know what they're talking about when they talk of blockchain and cryptocurrency. 64% of millennials aged 20 to 38 are interested in investing in cryptocurrency. The number skews male. It goes up to 73% when we're just looking at men, but I'm not confident that they even really know what it is. So, I want to do some idiot's guide explaining, and I will be the idiot in this scenario. (laughs) So first of all, blockchain, that's just a distributed ledger, right? Why is it so special?
0: Well, it's special for one reason, and that's because it, for the first time in history, allowed for electronic payments or digital payments that couldn't be faked. So Satoshi Nakamoto, the, the guy or people, we don't know who it is, who created Bitcoin, basically solve this issue of how do you know if this is a digital thing? It doesn't exist. It's ones and zeros. It's code. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do I know that it's real? And how do I know that, that it's actually something that has value? And so there had been many attempts at that prior to Satoshi Nakamoto and they had all failed. They could either just be gamed. They could be counterfeited. You just never really knew what was going on. And what Satoshi did was he understood that if you had a network of computers that kept track of every single Bitcoin transaction from the beginning, then you would know that this is actually real and it could be traced back to its origins. So that really unlocked this idea of digital payments and money on the internet, basically. So Mm -hmm. the the blockchain is the underpinning for for Bitcoin. It was the first thing, and it's, it's vital to how it works. It's the engine that makes Bitcoin possible. So then you fast forward a little bit and Talik Buterin came along and he was a huge Bitcoin proponent, but he was frustrated with its limits because Bitcoin's really good at sending value from A to B, but that's about all you can do on it. Well, he, he, it, it,
1: and that's, I mean, I guess if I can just do a little dog leg off of that, it seems like it's a use case proof. So why do people keep wanting to buy it?
0: Well, so you now, for the first time again, have a global payment system that is outside the control of any government or corporation. So you can now send money peer-to-peer to to anyone in the world and nobody can stop you. So that has value. Whether that value is $10 for a Bitcoin, $10,000, $100,000, that's up to the market. And I I don't know what its it's intrinsic worth is, but this idea that you can now send money to people anywhere without a bank is valuable. And I think a lot of people have, have realized that it, it also is weaving its way into commerce and, and other things where, as you mentioned, like financial applications, it's a great way to do international payments because international payments is, a, is just a, it's, it's a mess, you know, it takes mm. day, weeks, days, weeks, there can be errors and stuff. And so if you're doing remittances or you're doing like correspondent banking, you know, a digital ledger is a much better solution and that's just one of many applications that people are figuring out
1: right why why is a blockchain linked to a particular cryptocurrency why are those two things why is it this is the bitcoin blockchain or this is the ethereum blockchain why are they different why why can't you they can't play on the same yeah or is that wrong Uh,
0: no you're, you're right they they tend to need their own blockchain because it is a global network. It's vast and there's a lot of transactions happening, you know, on a daily basis. So it's just, like you said, it's a ledger, you know, you really need to keep that ledger. And so I think that the, least complicated way to do that is just like, here's here's the Bitcoin blockchain, here's the Ethereum blockchain, and you just kind of keep them separate. There are now links between different blockchains called bridges. So you could do sort of like you can initiate a transaction on the on Ethereum and then bridge it over to Solana and do things like that. Mm. Uh, that is starting to happen, but there have been a lot of hacks and these bridges are kind of inherently a weak link. So I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done on that. But the short answer is just, you, know, you really need to keep that ledger sound and to make it the least complicated, you just want to kind of like be this is okay, this is just for Bitcoin. This is just for Ethereum.
1: Right. Well, one of the things you just mentioned hacks. One of the things back in those interviews I did in 2017 was it's not hackable. This is it's not hackable, but it is <laughs> hackable, right? I mean it's hackable.
0: I think there's different there's a different there might be a different thing there. You you can't nobody has ever hacked the Bitcoin blockchain in terms of like revol reversing its history. That's incredibly, okay. incredibly difficult to do because the computing power you need is is massive. And so once a ledger is in the, the blockchain record, it's pretty much there forever. Okay. Now if you take Ethereum is a different type of blockchain where it has applications that are, are running on top of the blockchain. And those are hackable because those are just code. you know. So they might hold hundreds of millions of dollars in cryptocurrencies or NFTs or what have you. And a hacker can find an exploit and basically hack into that smart contract and steal what's what's being held there. That doesn't mean that the Ethereum blockchain underneath it is being hacked. It's the application that lives on top of it.
1: Okay, that's an interesting, important, interesting and important fact. There. Why does it create? Why does it take so much energy to create these things? You under you hear about you know if you're concerned about environmentalism, you don't want to. It's cost so much money and to generate all the electricity to do these things. Why money was once part of gold, but then it's just an idea. It's not actually gold. It's linked to other factors. How how come? Why the energy? What what is going on there?
0: Yeah, this is a good question, and and I think something that not many people quite understand. So I'll just try to lay it out there as, as simply as I can. Let's use block the Bitcoin because it's it's a proof of work blockchain. That is what the system is using to secure the network and make sure that transactions are valid. So what's proof of work? It's a system where you have a hashing function. So there's a hash program inside the Bitcoin blockchain and you the computers that are part of that network, they, they input a, a string of random characters into the hash function. And then there's an output, which is a different string of random characters. So what? why is that important? It's when you're trying to be the computer that verifies the latest batch of transactions, the latest block, you want to do it first and because you'll get rewarded with free Bitcoin. So what you're doing to, to try to prove those transactions are valid is your computer first checks, that, checks the history that I mentioned to make sure that this all this is all going back and it's all legit. If there are transactions in there that aren't legit, they get kicked out. So then to verify it, what you need to do is this proof of work function. So you your computer just has to input hashes over and over again to get a desired outcome hash that leads with a certain number of zeros. I can't remember if it's 16 or 32, but it's a lot of zeros. So the only way to get that is trial and error. And mm. so- the computer has to just go over and over and over and do millions of trends, like millions of tries to get this output hash that has a number of leading zeros. So imagine there's thousands of these computers all over the world doing this 24 seven. And one of them is gonna get the correct hash output first. They'll then broadcast the hash input to the rest of the network. Everyone can check it very easily because once you have the, the right hash input, you can just check it. It's very hard to get that input but once you have it, it's easy for everyone else to say, "Yeah, you got it. You get the free Bitcoin." So you can now kind of get a sense of the scale. Million, I don't know how many computers there are in the network, but you know they're all doing this twenty-four-seven, and so that amount of electricity to to fuel that computing power is why Bitcoin and proof of work gets a, a bad rap in the you know the ESG do they, the community.
1: Do they all do that? Do all, is that part of the system that is in in order to keep it secure and global and networked? Are they all doing this sort of brute force calculation all the time? Or does Ethereum do something different so it doesn't use up so much energy?
0: The answer is no. So there's a different type of blockchain security protocol called proof of stake. And Ethereum just switched over to that in September. Before that, it was a proof of work chain, but now it's a proof of stake chain. Mm -hmm. And the difference there is people that want to validate transactions on Ethereum have to they basically stake 32 ETH into the network. And so I think that, you know, right now Ethereum is around twelve hundred bucks. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a little that's about forty thousand or so, let's say. Right. So they have to stake that ETH and that's like so they have to put up an economic kind of incentive to be a good actor in the in the blockchain and do what the what is best for the network. So now there's no hashing function involved like with coin, so there's it's a different process. So the energy use is like gone basically to to nothing. It's like any right. other sort of like cloud computing network. So there's also other chains that have come out of the box using proof of stake. So it's, it's I would just-
1: think of that also. Then if we if we go back to the idealism that to have 40k means that it's not as level, right? I mean,
0: yeah, that's true. You can pool your staking. So, oh. say so you've got five ETH, not 32, you can pool it with someone like Coinbase is doing that. A lot of other, Lido is another one. So, they'll take a little cut, of course, from you. But if you can still get involved with it, you don't have to have 32 ETH. And then you got to remember for a lot of people that go back a long way, like 32 ETH is nothing. They've been doing this since like 2016, 2015. Mm. So, so you know
1: they got in early
0: <laughs> yeah they got in early when when eth was like 10 bucks or, you know a piece and and th- that's why there's so many millionaires and you know several billionaires that are kind of linked to these these blockchains because they got in early they had a ton of it and then it went up so that's something i always try to keep in mind is that a lot of the funny stuff you see or the stuff that seems crazy is because a lot of these folks have like funny money you know like it's just like
1: it's, right it's, it's not it's, real it's, yeah, or, it's 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 It isn't of their experience. It wasn't. It was gained because they were early adopters, and so they will not necessarily behave in the same predictable way that more institutional investors might. Imagine
0: you were in on the Ethereum crowd sale when it sold for thirty cents per ETH, and (laughs) you're you're, yeah, like a couple months ago, a year ago, it was at four thousand dollars, and and so you'd see board ape NFTs selling for a hundred ETH. Well, if, if you were one of those people that got in for 30 cents and you, hundred ETH to you is nothing, even though it's worth a, this amazing amount of money on paper, you know, it's like, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's funny. It's just funny money.
1: <laughs> right. Well, NFTs that, you know, help me out here. I'm an artist. I create an NFT. I sell my NFT. Who owns the IP of my NFT? You do. I do. Okay. Yes. So
0: unless you want to sell it as part of as part NFT. of it you you can make that choice like the board ape yacht club that, that
1: they decided mentioned. to
0: they do yeah that but some not
1: all of it though right i mean wasn't there a legal battle of somewhat mm-hmm. no
0: as far as i know you get the rights to use that nft that board ape however you want like seth green created a whole tv show around his board ape and then it got stolen <laughs> And I think he got it back. But other people are writing books, you know, based on like with them, the, the ape is the character. And So as far as I know, okay. that, that's kind of the selling point of, of board Ape. And I think one of the reasons why they sell for a lot more than a lot of other NFTs.
1: I guess one of the things that I find challenging to wrap my head around and you can help me with an NFT, especially if you're dealing with digital art or something mm-hmm. that's digital. And the whole point is that it is... You can make an exactly the same looking thing, but the idea is it's the first one or this particular digital thing has a, why does that have value or is it only the value in the person's head that it has?
0: No, because for the first time, a digital item can be scarce. So you think about what the Napster controversy was back in the nineties, you'd upload all your music to Napster. And then anyone in the world could download it for free because it was a digital file and digital files are basically limitless. Right. Right. So that you can apply the same thing to JPEGs or pictures on the internet. But once you link a digital file to a blockchain, now you have a provenance and and you can say, I
1: see. So this this one travels around this
0: one. Okay. So this one is legit and it's, here's the ownership record. And so, and maybe only just for simplicity one of these nfts was created so it's a one of one Hmm. so now you know and you can prove that no this isn't just something i copy pasted this is i bought this from the artist and it's the only one you know the only digital representation of it and i can prove it by this blockchain transaction so now for the first time a digital file can be scarce. That means it can be collected and that means people are going to want to pay for it. You know, I, I don't know how much, but it's, right. uh, so, so that to me is is the breakthrough that NFTs created. And I, I think it's a big deal and I think a lot of people kind of laugh it off, but I do find it pretty interesting that digital scarcity ha- has been so hard to achieve.
1: Well, Uh-oh. almost the point, it, it was almost as if the point of digital was that it removed scarcity And then it's reintroducing scarcity into it's it's limiting it. And this is very linked to another question I had, which is around Web 3.0 and real estate and the idea of scarcity there, because that for me was confusing. Why are people talking about the scarcity and land grabs of Web 3.0 places when I'm like, but isn't the whole point that you can keep creating it, that it is this endless potential of space? So how does that work?
0: Yeah. So. Kind of similarly, like I'll use the central land that's the one I'm most familiar with. It's a digital. It's a metaverse. You you have an avatar and you can buy a plot of land there. There's something called Crypto Valley. There's a whole section of it that's like Las Vegas kind of gambling and there's amusement parks and stuff like that. But there's only so much of it. And they came up with this big square and it's all subdivided into smaller squares. And you can buy one of those plots mm. and then you can put a house on it or you can build a ride or you can put an NFT art gallery or create a conference center for people to come and have a conference virtually. So because of the promise they made is that this is the only, this is the only amount that will ever be created. You know, there is a scarcity element to it. I see. Yeah. So it's still kind of glitchy, but it's really, I think improving. And so if VR can be combined with this kind of thing, I think it's going to be really game changing, but it's not quite there yet because it's all blockchain based and blockchains are kind of still slow. And and a bit clunky compared to other things we are used to, like streaming and at speeds.
1: Does it have to be blockchain based? Is that how you keep the promise of it yeah. being a certain size? Okay. Yeah. So it's that's yeah. the that's and how you, you do not lie right. essentially about
0: that correct and you have to use a cryptocurrency to buy things you know that's sort of like it's the embedded value in that system and so when you want to buy a plot of land you have to use the cryptocurrency that's native to it my house same thing and it's all and yeah it's you have to have a wallet and you're you're doing transactions like you're you know in any other blockchain kind of environment so yeah that that's the important part and then it all it also Kind of just proves that you know. Actually, this is my plot of land. I can show you the the blockchain transaction where I purchased it.
1: So okay. So here's a question. Eventually, though, isn't you know these are these are walled. land is a walled thing because they said it will be walled. It will be limited. It wasn't though the idea is that. Web 3.0, the metaverse would be you could slide from one to the next. And so, if we're thinking ahead, and let's say I'm a brand, we talked about or we didn't talk, but people have talked about brands buying up real estate in places like Decentraland, like could I make Gucci land or could I make Nike land? And that eventually people would be able to slide from one to the other. And so, that would be a thing I could do. And maybe that's in the future. And I just want to stake my ground in Decentraland until that time comes. Is that what's going on?
0: Well, I think those brands you mentioned like Gucci and Chanel and some others have already established plots in Decentraland where you can go in and, and browse and shop or whatever. So And I think that's the way it's going to go, because pretty hardcore to the ethos of of Web3 and and the folks who are making it is that it shouldn't be a Nike land, you know, or shouldn't be. There should not be a central actor, that centralized force that can kind of dictate the terms. It should be all open. But if it's
1: all open, decentralized by virtue of making it limited, isn't all open. That's what I'm saying is they could, that you could have your own, that you can open up a shop because you create more land for yourself. That just like there could be a Nike land, there could be a Gabriella land and it would be just as free to get there. But as it is right now, Decentraland has a lot of power.
0: Yeah, it does. And I think that's a trick that all decentralized applications have to deal with. Like who, who, who makes decisions? I'm pretty sure I don't want to get too far into the weeds. I think Decentraland has a DAO, which is an organization that manages like a decentralized application. So its user would be voting on things and, you know, it would have to go to a vote, for example, to make Mm -hmm. more land. And that's obviously not going to be popular.
1: Because everybody bought when they bought.
0: Right. Right. And it would, yeah, it would screw up the, it would dilute the value. Right. So Mm. self-interest alone, it's, it's not a good idea. And second of all, if you're kind of going back on the principles where you, that you established the place with, you know, that, that rubs people the wrong way. So I, I'm sure Nike or you know Apple or whoever would love to have their own, and this is a great, like Mark Zuckerberg is trying to do this right now with his meta metaverse, but I've written about this, that he's missing the point entirely where it's not the, the thing that makes crypto and web three full is that it's open to everyone and nobody can like censor you, you know, that, that leads to a lot of crazy stuff, but it's also empowering to people that's kind of the opposite of what Facebook does. You know, it's a centralized thing. They can deplatform you. They can twist their algorithm to, you know, feed you crazy news and things like that that you don't have any control over. Whereas in Web3 and crypto, everyone's supposed to be kind of on a level playing field and everyone's supposed to have a similar voice in in how things are decided. So I just don't see that taking off because it's not what the people who are really into this are into it for it's kind of like antithetical to, to what they're what the whole thing is about and why it's gained in popularity over the years.
1: I, I absolutely get your point, but I see Decentraland as just being a new Facebook potentially that it's that you have scarcity and that if the whole point is everybody can come join, then there shouldn't be scarcity. No.
0: I mean, you, you, I wouldn't say it's walled either. Like anyone can go walk around in it. You don't have to do anything. All you have to have is a wallet that connects to the, to the application. And so Mm -hmm. you can go to a party there. You can go walk around. You can look at NFTs. All you have to have is a computer, you know, an internet connection. So I don't feel like, I mean, I I see your point and I I can, you know, I think people are wary of that Mm. just like in any human endeavor, you have to kind of there have to be trade-offs, not nothing just springs out of the ether, you know, fully decentralized and, and perfect. Oh,
1: right, right. Right.
0: So it has to be a process. And and I think and then, you know, people can vote with their feet as well. If, if the central land, for whatever reason, starts doing things that people don't like, there are competitors, you know? So I think that's like the market dynamic, just like we have in any other kind of traditional market.
1: Do you think that you'll have a situation, though, similar to, let's just use the meta, you know, Facebook, Instagram, where you get a certain scale. And so people all are there because everybody else is there. And that that then becomes a strange sort of limiter. Or will there be so much fluidity that actually, eventually, it will be fluid and you can go wherever you can. You can go from one to the other of these, you know. Yeah,
0: I, I remember when, you know zuckerberg was talking about the first one was called um forgetting the name it's had several names over the but anyway yeah the 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 thing about it was what does facebook have like more than a billion daily active users around Mm -hmm. the world and i mean that really got the attention of governments because all of a sudden he was talking about creating a cryptocurrency right that would then be used amongst these people right out of the control of any government and and they reined that in pretty quick and on the other hand i think i do think we will get to a point where you can interoperate between these different worlds and different blockchains i think that's just going to happen but we're not there yet you know mm-hmm. i've always thought in the distant future there's going to be a bunch of different chains that are all working well and maybe one does something really well and the other does something else really well and you just kind of
1: slide migrate. from one yeah, chain yeah, to the other yeah, depending yeah. on you know this is the royalty chain this is the yeah. health record yes. chain. Yeah. Uh, at the top, I shared the stat about millennials' interest in investing. Do you think that people should treat their crypto investing as they would any other type of investing or there are nuances that make it different?
0: Well, if by any other investing, you mean like doing your own research and you know vetting projects and understanding what you're buying, then yeah, I think that's just common sense at this point. I still think it's a safe bet to you know when people ask me, I say, just start with Bitcoin and Ethereum, get comfortable with it. Use, use it as Vegas money, you know, money you could lose uh, mm-hmm. just to get familiar with it and see if you like it and then if you are comfortable you know there's a lot of other options out there but there are a lot of scams and if something is too good to be true it is and you're going to lose your money so you know it's <laughs> not it's not like some new thing has been invented here if they're promising you 20 percent interest and you can only get one percent at the bank that's be, all be suspicious that, yeah, yeah be, be suspicious. suspicious that's on shaky foundations so and we've seen a lot of people lose money that way so but i i think if you yeah, I, I I like to kind of try to encourage patience and just like buy some stuff, hold it. You know, don't don't try to trade it around. Like, I don't try to beat the market. Just just buy some things and see what happens in a couple of years. You know, mm. and and I think you know I'm I'm not here to give financial advice, but I no, do right. I, I do think it is definitely something worth investing in and having a little part of your portfolio be in in some digital assets.
1: If I'm an investor and I need to understand how things fluctuate, what are the things that drive that?
0: Yeah, I think this recent downturn is you cannot discount the global macro environment because their inflation is taking a hit on everything the dollar is stronger than it's ever been i mean i can't remember in my lifetime it being at parity with the pound or the <laughs> euro so it's crazy yeah it's crazy you know stocks bonds everything has been getting crushed lately and crypto has become correlated to these markets like it hasn't been in the past you know if you went back to 2017 2016 it it was still small enough and there weren't enough institutions that were investing i think in right. crypto so that There was no kind of cross-pollination, but now there is. So when markets go down and a bank or somebody needs money, they sell whatever they have. It doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin or Apple shares, right? So if they need to make a margin call or something, they're going to sell. So crypto is now part of that mix. And I don't quite understand why it's gone down so much because it's not like it's not like the technology's not working you know
1: well this is where i where i s- stand with it which is i i'm sort of sitting on my ethereum thinking eh. and <laughs> 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 this is something you wrote the definitive book on ethereum and people who have enjoyed our conversation should really check it out the podcast webpage will have a link to purchase there and thank you so much for sharing your time insights and expertise i really appreciate it
0: yeah Gabrielle. thank you it was a pleasure talking to you
1: We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Norton, the voice artist who recorded our open, and of course all of you, the members of our audience. Thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.